Uh, so today, uh, we start a series of uh, three sermons, three, three weeks, talking about spiritual gifts. And, and all sorts of things are out there. You, you get all sorts of teaching when it comes to spiritual gifts that tend to be in extremes, you know, one extreme or the other. There'll be some who say, uh, no, no more spiritual gifts. And then there'll be others that say, I want all. I want every gift. And uh, I will say this about that. Um, I, I would say because they are his gifts, not yours, uh, they belong to him, that he gives them to us. And if the spirit whose gifts they are is in you, then yes, there's a possibility that you could have them all. But I don't think it's ideal. And, and in fact, I think Paul teaches to the contrary. Paul tends to teach that you shouldn't try to have all of the gifts for yourself, but that you should identify what are uh, the one or two or maybe three gifts that God has given to you that are predominant in your life. The others may be available, but the ones that are predominant, focus on those. And in that, that same regard, friends of yours, people in your small group or people in your neighborhood or perhaps your spouse will have uh, gifts that you don't have. And guess what that does? It creates this relationship where we need each other. And that's really what the church is about, right? It's not about me doing everything by myself. It's not about you doing everything by yourself. It's about us doing things together. And so when it comes to spiritual gifts, don't go to one extreme or the other. Don't fall in the camp that says, oh, no more. But don't also fall into the camp that says, I'm just going to have all the gifts and then go operate by myself. And I won't need anyone or anything. Uh, because we do need each other. There are some very uh, specific, clear, definite instructions uh, given in Scripture when it comes to spiritual gifts. And unfortunately, a majority of the church tends to ignore all three. Uh, first thing it says is don't be ignorant. Second, it says, do not forbid. And third, it says, eagerly desire. And so guess what we have decided to do? We've decided to be ignorant and to be selective. We will embrace this gift and forbid this gift. And we have chosen not to eagerly desire. And we have made uh, spiritual gifts more of a casual pursuit than an eager desire. Uh, years ago, some of you heard me say this, um, I gave my older brother, I was in middle school, he was in college, I kind of looked up to him then. Um, I kind of looked up to him and I gave him this gift. I wanted to make him happy. I wanted to give him something I thought he would enjoy. Now, let me just preface this. All of you on this side of the room, you will have no idea what I'm talking about. I gave him cup holders for his car. Now, just so you know, there was a time in the history of the world where cup holders were not built into cars. I know, you're just, I'm blowing your mind. There also was a time when you had to roll windows up yourself. That's, that's a sermon for another day. So I gave him these cup holders. You hang them in the window, you put your drinks in there nicely, and I gave my brother cup holders for Christmas. I thought it was a great gift. 
Well, the next year at Christmas, I was in a closet upstairs where we kept boxes, and I was looking through the boxes to try to find a box that would fit a gift that I was giving someone else, found the perfect box, opened the box, and there were the cup holders that I had given my brother the year before. So I wrapped them up and gave them to him again. (laughs) Because the point of giving a gift is that you use it. Okay? And so we're going to talk about spiritual gifts for the next three weeks. Uh, Much of what I want to talk about and share is from a book by David Pitches. Uh, The name of the book is Spiritual Gifts in the Local Church. If you don't have it, I encourage you to get it. Um, We live, in case you haven't noticed, we live in a divided world. We live in a divided world. Now, I'm not talking politics here. Uh, We live in a world that's divided among people who live focused on the natural and people who live their lives focused on the supernatural. Uh, Most of us will acknowledge that there's heaven and there's earth. Uh, What we don't tend to acknowledge, and we need to learn to acknowledge, is that there is that place in the middle where heaven and earth intersect and and touch. There's a very supernatural aspect to earth. Very supernatural. And we need to learn how to navigate that. Uh, Jesus gave Peter the keys to the kingdom in Matthew 16. And he said, I'm giving you the keys to heaven and earth. And then he said, all authority on heaven and earth is mine. I'm giving it to you. And so by virtue of him giving it to Peter, uh, he gave it also to the church. Now, last week was Pentecost Sunday. We talked about the instruction of Jesus to his people, to his disciples. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait. He gave them a clear assignment. And then he said, go to Jerusalem and wait, to wait for the promise of the father the Holy Spirit. And we looked at all of that uh, last week. Why did Jesus tell the disciples to go wait? Because to do what they were instructed to do, they needed the Holy Spirit. Also, to be who God had called them to be. They had to have the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you figured this out yet or not. Uh, If you haven't, just trust me on it. Don't test it. Okay, you by yourself in your own strength against the devil is not a fair fight. You by yourself on your own against the devil is not a fair fight. But guess what else? You and God together against the devil is also not a fair fight. If you haven't figured that out, you can ask me later. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is both now and not yet. We've talked about that. That there are aspects of the kingdom that we experience now. There are, obviously, there are aspects of the kingdom that we will not experience in the fullness until Jesus comes back and we reign with him for a thousand years. Uh, for now, we live in the space of conflict. We really do. We live in a space of conflict, and we call it spiritual warfare, right? How many of you have used that phrase this week? Many of you have, because you couldn't find a parking place that was close to the building. (laughs) And that was spiritual warfare, right? Not really. 
But we do live, not just when things go badly, but every minute of every day, we are engaged in a conflict. We are engaged in a spiritual warfare. Clear examples of that. Uh, There's a place in the Old Testament where Daniel prays. He prays and finally help comes. And the angel of the Lord says to Daniel, I heard your prayer. 21 days ago, I heard your prayer, and I, and I made my way towards you to help you, and I was resisted by the devil. Spiritual warfare. And you and I experience that on a daily basis. Sometimes we feel it. Sometimes we don't. But it, it's still going on. Whether you feel it or not. Now, what we need to know about spiritual warfare is this. Satan's defeat was determined by the death and the resurrection of Jesus over 2,000 years ago. His, his fate was sealed. But he has been allowed temporary access to the earth. And he has been allowed basically to wreak havoc. He has been given permission for a time to steal, kill, and destroy One of my favorite verses in Scripture is John chapter 10, verse 10. I came that you might have life and that you might have it, some say abundantly, uh, some translations say to the full, some say life at its absolute highest level. But however you finish that, it's good, right? I came that you might have life and that you might have really, really good life. That's God's desire. Do you know what John 10, 9 says? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If we know anything about Scripture, we know that John 10, 9 is every bit as true as John 10, 10. And so we live in this time of conflict. And as people, as people of God, we can't afford to be ignorant. Because remember, one of the clear, definitive instructions that Paul gives in Scripture is don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts because the gifts that God gives us are for our benefit, they're for our use, and the gifts that God gives to me are intended to benefit you, and the gifts that God gives you are intended to benefit me, and we're supposed to work together in the kingdom of God. Now, in this current uh, era, you hear people a lot talk about Either or. Some people say, well, I'm a word person. Some people say I'm a spirit person. And we, and we have these, it's like we have these two ideas that lean away from each other. But they're not supposed to lean away from each other. Uh, and some people then try to accomplish a balance. You know, let's just, let's have a balance between the word and the spirit. So how many of you, how many of you are married you have a balanced marriage? <laughs> Danny? <laughs> oh, come on. You know it's not. You know, ba- balance is not what we're looking for in marriage, is it? Really? Aren't we looking for more like this? Aren't you looking for this, not this? And so let's not look for word and spirit, try to do this. Let's look for word and spirit married together, enmeshed. Because I can promise you 
that even though at times we may say, I'm word and lean this way, and we may say, I'm spirit and lean this way, I can tell you that the word and the spirit are not leaning away from each other. They're leaning towards each other. In fact, the word is pointing at the spirit, and the spirit is always pointing at the word, because that's just what they do. And that's what they want us to do. So as people of God, we can't afford to be either word or spirit. We have to be word and spirit. We need to know how to teach God's truth, the truth of God's word. But we also need to know how to demonstrate through the power of the spirit, God's word. Uh, John Stott uh, said one time that... uh, The truth without love can be too hard and love without truth can be too soft. And so we want them together. Now, the primary way that God has given to us for demonstrating uh, the kingdom of God and for demonstrating uh, the power of the Spirit is through spiritual gifts. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. When we talk about the full armor of God, let me just say clearly, when you put on the full armor of God, what you're doing as you do that is, is you are marrying the word and the spirit. You can't read through that list of the full armor of God without realizing this is a marriage of word and spirit. So for the next uh, three weeks, we're going to use the word to learn about the spirit. We're going to use the word uh, to teach us about spiritual gifts and and hopefully learn to operate uh, in the gifts more effectively because I don't want to have to give everyone cup holders for Christmas every year. Okay, so... There are several gifts uh, in the New Testament, several lists of the gifts. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 has a list. Romans 12 has a list. Ephesians 4 has a list. We're going to use the list uh, in 1 Corinthians 12 because of its uh, congregational setting. And uh, I think it's it's helpful in a church setting to do that. So I'm going to start off by reading uh, from 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 11 and then verses 27 through 31. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To the one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. 
to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And then verse 27 Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Now let's pray. Lord, we do pray that you will speak to us today, that you will teach us from your word, that we will have a better understanding of how and why you call us to operate through these gifts that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, if you were here, was Pentecost Sunday. We talked about uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, at Pentecost and how the primary purpose of God filling us with the Spirit is love. Uh, the, the main thing that God wants to accomplish in filling us with His Spirit is that it gives us the ability to love Him and to love each other. Uh, and that's what He's after. That's why Jesus said that those are the top two commandments. Number one, love God with everything you have. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Neither of those things can you do well without the Holy Spirit. Now, in chapter 13, Paul focuses on love, uh, operating out of uh, the gift of love, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives, producing the fruit of the Spirit, which Paul identifies as love. And without the fruit, The gifts of the Spirit will be ineffective at best and destructive at worst. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. We're going to break our list uh, from 1 Corinthians 12 into three sections. And so each week we'll cover three gifts uh, that kind of fit together and uh, The sections are the gifts of revelation, the gifts of power, and the gifts of communication. So first, today we'll we'll deal with gifts of revelation. Uh, The first gift of revelation is a word of wisdom. Now, a word of wisdom is not being smart. It's not what it is. A word of wisdom is the special ability that God gives to receive instant insights on how a given revelation may be best applied to a specific situation. So usually, the gift of wisdom will be used in tandem with a word of knowledge. God will give you a word of knowledge, and then he'll tell you how to use that knowledge. Sometimes, though, the word of of wisdom will be used just with temporal knowledge. You know something, but you don't know what to do about it. You don't know what to do with it. And God will give you wisdom when you ask. He'll give you uh, 
the spiritual gift of wisdom. Now, there are different kinds of wisdom. There's human wisdom. Sometimes, you know, we're just, some people are logical and they have wisdom and they, they give good advice. Uh, there's also uh, evil or dark wisdom. And that's actually what Eve was after uh, in the garden. That's the reason that she ate from the apple that God told her not to eat from. It's because she wanted something that God had told her not to go after. So that would be evil or dark wisdom. But the word of wisdom as a spiritual gift is different from either of those. Uh, it's not just common sense. It's not having a high IQ. It's not anything like that. It is a supernatural word from God on how to proceed in a given situation. Uh, Luke 21, verse 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he tells them, persecution is coming. So that's the situation. And then he tells them that they will have something in them that will help them to navigate that situation. So what's the situation? The situation is trouble. Trouble is coming. Persecution is coming. And he, then he says, but I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Now, they probably couldn't fully understand what he was talking about at the moment. But then later on, when Pentecost happened, they began to understand. When we're brought before the authorities, when we're arrested and taken to jail, it's different now than it used to be. Because Peter, who ran the night that Jesus was arrested, tried to follow at a distance, denied him three times. Suddenly, after Pentecost, in Acts, carrying forward, he is as bold as it comes, not afraid of anything. Because the Holy Spirit gives him wisdom in how to operate in situations. This gift works usually in partnership with other gifts. Sometimes with a word of knowledge, sometimes with words of prophecy, sometimes in prayers for healing. You may have been here on a Thursday night and you knew that God was telling you to pray for someone about a certain thing, but you didn't really know how to approach it or even how to introduce it. So God may suddenly drop into your head, oh, this will work. And God will give you a word of wisdom on how to proceed in what could be a difficult situation. We had a guy, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We had a guy who came and, and asked for prayer on a Thursday night. And the person who was praying for him said, what do you really want? They wanted to pray for him in a more aggressive manner than what he had asked for. Instead of just saying, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this. The word of wisdom had that person say, what do you really want? And he said, this is what I really want. And that's what they prayed. And that's what they got. So a word of wisdom benefited the person who was being prayed for. The second gift in this list is a word of knowledge. Now, a word of knowledge is simply knowing something that there is no other way you could have known it except God told you. Word of knowledge is not, hey, I, I knew it and I forgot it and then I remembered it. 
That's, that's not a word of knowledge. That's just my life. Word of knowledge is, there's no way I could have known this. Except God gave it to me. God told me. Word of knowledge. Jesus operates in the word of knowledge in John chapter 4. He goes to a well. He sits down. There's a woman that comes to get water. And Jesus asks her for water. And then they start talking. And he says, go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. Now, he's never met this woman. He says, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. And he said, that's true. You don't. You've had five. Now you're living with a man that's not your husband. Blew her mind. Blew her mind because he knew things that there was no other way that he could have known them except that God revealed them. Now at this point, the other factor in this story that she didn't know is that he was actually God. So, but he knew this. He knew stuff in the same way that you and I will be given stuff, a word of knowledge. Jesus had a word of knowledge about this, this woman. She says, you're a prophet. And they go on into a conversation that leads them into a discussion about worship. And one thing leads to another. And then the revelation comes forth from him that he is the Messiah. And the end of the story is that she runs back home and she gets the whole town. She brings the whole town back with her to show them a man who did what? Who told me everything about myself. Everything about myself. And so she turns into one of the most effective and fruitful evangelists in all the New Testament. And it all starts with a word of knowledge. Now, uh, one of my uh, favorite words of knowledge in, is in the Old Testament in uh, the book of 1 Samuel chapter 10. Uh, they're about to anoint Saul as the king. And Samuel is leading uh, this ceremony and they get ready to anoint Saul and there's no Saul. They can't find him. He's hiding. I think Paul, you know, Saul is starting to feel the pressure, the weight of this job, and he's a little anxious, and so he hides. And Saul, um, Samuel prays. And you know what he prays? A real complicated, deeply theological prayer. God, where is Saul? That's what he prays. God, where is Saul? And God answers his prayer. He's hiding in the luggage. He's hiding in the luggage. So they go to the luggage and there he is. And so they drag him out and they anoint him. And there will be times, if you will just ask, that God will give you information that specific that you could not, would not have known any other way except that God told it. I walked into a room. Uh, this was several, several years ago at the time. Uh, I was the associate pastor of this church. Church was about a year, church was just two years old. And uh, I walked into a room in Athens, Georgia, and I met a man that I had never met before, didn't know me, didn't know anything about me. And we, I walked into this room and he looked at me and he said, you're not getting to do what you want to do. And I said, well, yeah, not, not really. 
And he said, October. And I said, what? And he said, everything changes in October. This was March or April. So time goes by. In August, uh, I'm walking out. I just left a prayer meeting, and I was a group of pastors uh, from Cobb County, and I'm walking towards the door. And there happened to be that day a man from South Africa who, again, I'd never met before, didn't know me, didn't know anything about me, and he catches me at the door. And he says, aren't you from that church on Stylesboro? And I said, yeah. And he said, no, it wasn't Stylesboro, it was uh, South Marietta Parkway. He said, aren't you on, from that church on South Marietta Parkway? I said, yeah. And he said, and you're the senior pastor. And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, are you sure? And I said, I'm pretty sure. I carried on. That was August. Well, October rolled around. And I walk into a meeting with our elders, and I have no idea what the meeting is about. And guess what they say? We want you to take over as senior pastor. Senior pastor is ready to retire. So, word came in March or April, came again in August, confirmed in October. The first two times I heard it was from people who really didn't know me, didn't know our church, didn't know any of our elders, had no way of knowing except that God spoke it. So a word of knowledge uh, can work like that. Uh, it, uh, kind of a, a fun word of knowledge that I had one time was, had to do with a, somebody's wallet. I was on a mission trip, and a friend of mine lost his wallet. And back then, uh, you could travel a lot of places without a passport you could, if you had a driver's license. Um, there were certain places you could go. And we were in Jamaica, and all you had to have was a driver's license to get in and out. Unfortunately, his driver's license was in his wallet, and he lost his wallet the first day. And we looked for his wallet for two hours and couldn't find it. And then when we went back to our room, we laid down on the bed to take a nap, and as we were laying there, I said, God, where is that wallet? And the Lord just spoke to me and said, it's outside under the bush and showed me a picture of the bush. I said, okay. I got up and I started towards the door. My friend said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to get your wallet. Walked right out, found the bush, looked down, and there was the wallet under the bush. Now, it had dog teeth marks in it. It had been confiscated by a dog and taken to the dog's favorite hiding place. But I I didn't know that. I'd never been there. I didn't know the dog or the hiding place. But God said, here's the wallet. Took me to it. So it was a word of knowledge. Um, sometimes God will give you a word of knowledge sovereignly. You, you don't ask for it. You just, God just tells you something. Sometimes he will give you a word of knowledge because you requested it. You need it. You're in a, a ministry situation or some other situation where you need to know uh, information that you don't have. And if you ask, God, God will give it to you. Again, uh, the word of knowledge 
usually works in tandem with other gifts, in particular the word of wisdom, because it's not enough just to know what, you need to know how, uh, and you need to know why. And so God will give you information, and then he will give you wisdom on how to take and use the information that he's given. Now, the third uh, gift in this list is the gift of discerning of spirits, or sometimes we just say the gift of discernment. It's a supernatural gift of perception given by God to enable individuals to distinguish the motivating spirit behind words or actions. Now, the difference, the, the way that discernment is different uh, than wisdom or a word of knowledge is that it doesn't really tell you what. Discernment just kind of tells you, uh, hey, there's trouble here or there's not trouble here. Uh, discernment can work both positive and negative. You might walk into a situation and discernment will say, this, the spirit of the Lord is here. This is a good thing. Even if it looks chaotic and, and, and bad, discernment can say, hey, I know what it looks like vi visibly, but this is good. You can also, you can walk into a situation that looks good and a discerning spirit could say, not so good. I, I can't tell you how many times. Uh, my wife operates, she has a stronger gifting in discernment than I do. Um, there been a lot of times we've walked into a situation and I've thought, wow, this is great. And she's like, mm. she can't really tell me why it's not great. It's just something that the Spirit is telling her. And then later on, God will give us wisdom and we'll understand. Okay, here's, here's why. This is what, what was going on there. So discernment, again, works hand in hand with wisdom and sometimes also with a word of knowledge. Now, it's important, not just that we know the gifts and we know, you know what they mean and we know what they look like and feel like and sound like, um, but it's also important that we know how to operate, how to use the gifts that God gives us. So let me just give you four things quickly uh, before we pray. Number one, Trust that God is good and that his desire to reveal is for your good. I had a friend in Athens who operated heavily in word of knowledge. Now, he didn't always operate as heavily in the word of wisdom. And so sometimes his word of knowledge was kind of scary. And people were afraid of him. Nobody wanted to be around him because they were afraid that he was going to call them out on something. And so he asked me one time, he said, I don't have any friends. When we go to a banquet, nobody will sit at my table. What's wrong with me? And I said, you know stuff. I said, God tells you stuff. And sometimes you don't use the most discretion in telling what you know. And people are afraid of you. And that was helpful to him because he learned then to take the words of knowledge that God gave him and use them in a more loving way. God is good and God wants to reveal things. 
But he doesn't want to reveal things in order to embarrass someone. He wants to reveal things in order to help us, in order to make us better, in order to grow us. And so God will reveal things to you about me, and to, to me about you, so we can help each other. Okay? Second thing you need to do or know is that you always pray. Uh, if you get a word of knowledge, or you have a word of wisdom, or dis- gift of discernment, you always pray. That's your first reaction when you feel you're receiving something from God is to pray. Never assume that you know what to do with it immediately. Always pray. The third thing I would encourage you to do when you can is share it with someone else. Get some assistance. Learn to work as a team and not to always go solo. Uh, God will tell you something, and it may be good, and typically uh, a spouse is really good in this situation. If, some, if God's telling me something, I feel like this is a word of knowledge for so-and-so, I may ask my wife, this is what I feel like God's saying to me. What do you think about that? And she, what she may say is, let's make sure we use wisdom in this. You know, before you talk to them about that, let's talk to God a little more about them. And so share when possible, work as a team, not always solo. And then the fourth thing, and this is super important, uh, everything in humility. Everything in humility. God's gifts are not intended to show how good you are. His gifts are intended to show how good he is. So, God gives you a word of knowledge. That's not a sign that you're special. It's a sign that he is special. If you read the Bible, you'll find that God actually gave a word of knowledge to a donkey. And so, if you're tempted to be proud because of the gifts that God has given you, it may just be, (laughs) okay, I won't say that. (laughs) We need to handle everything in humility and, and just recognize that when God gives us gifts, it's not because we're special or we're important or we're good is because he is and he can use actually the worst of us the least of us he can use and he will so keep those things in mind trust that god is good pray always never assume share when possible work as a team everything in humility all right we're going to have some time to pray for people. I want to ask our teams to come and get in place quickly. Um, If you'll go ahead and do that now, and I'm going to give a, a little bit of instruction as we get ready to pray for people. Um, so we'll pray for any needs that you have this week, as we always do. Uh, some of you need physical healing. Some of you need spiritual healing, uh, relational healing, different things. You have other needs, and we'd love to pray for you about anything. But I want to specifically say, um, if you have never um, 
prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Or, or you're not sure if you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. I would, I would love, I would really encourage you to come and get prayer today. And, uh, and then secondly, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, boy, I, I have no idea what my spiritual gifts are. Uh, I would encourage you to come uh, and be prayed for. And uh, they're not going to tell you what your gifts are. <laughs> but they will pray for you and ask God to tell you. And then the third thing, uh, you may know what your gifts are. But you just need wisdom on how to use your gifts. And, and maybe you just need a little bit of help getting activated in the gifts that God has given you. And uh, these, these people would love uh, to help you. They'd love to pray for you about any of those things. Okay? Won't you stand? And I will pray for us and then encourage you uh, to take advantage um, of the opportunity to be prayed for. Holy Spirit, we love you. Uh, we love the way you work. Uh, we love the way you love us. And we pray right now that you would minister to hearts all around this room. And whatever the needs are today, Lord, we just pray off fear. We pray off anxiety. And we pray freedom in the room so that uh, the things that are desired can be sought after. In Jesus' name, amen.